Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. For the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners, so that you may not grow weary in your souls or lose heart. The word of God for the people of the world. Thanks be to God. I'm so grateful to be up here this morning. Um, You might see that there's some missing faces around here. Um, Corey is is out on a much-needed vacation, and in his own words, Adam brought back a souvenir from his vacation, uh, which was COVID. So we are in prayers for him and his quick recovery, um, and I'm just grateful that I get to be up here and to share the word with you this morning. Would you join me in prayer? Living God, we gather in your name. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, transform our hearts and minds so that we may recognize your presence, your voice, your will, and follow in your way. Amen. I am a ninth generation American. In 1741, Elizabeth McReynolds, a Quaker, decided to leave her husband and bring her four children from Ireland to the States. Well, not quite the States just yet. I imagine the great courage it must have taken for such a move. I wonder what was happening in her life that made the risk worth the chance. I wonder how her faith played a role in that decision. I'm the granddaughter of Dottie Lorena Milton, a woman who was known often in the Kentucky Conference as Miss Methodist, who lived her life and her faith out loud. I wonder about the women that she ministered to in prison and the mutual impact that they had on one another. I wonder about the legacy that she left behind for them. The more I learn about my genealogy, the more I find myself fascinated and curious by those who've come before me, those who've blazed a trail, who've risked it all, who've shown courage and resilience. I'm fascinated by their stories, and I think a lot of that is because their story is what connects us. They each stand in their own individual accounts of their life and faith journey, and yet I know that they are also linked in their faith, and in their impact on me and those around the world. For centuries, Christians have used the Apostles' Creed as a way to profess their faith and belief. It's a launching pad as we as Christians see the world and provides a guidepost in our faith journey. So just as those who come before us, let's join together as one voice and recite the Apostles' Creed together and find the words on the screen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, 
He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. This week we're focusing on the statement, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. While you won't find those exact phrases in Scripture, you will find that Scripture is steeped in the belief and presence and necessity of them. In our scripture read this morning, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. He asks them, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Talking about himself. And the disciples go on to list what they've heard through the grapevine, the Twitter feeds, the tabloids. They list prophets or people who spoke into the context they lived in and the challenges they faced. And certainly Jesus did those things. But he was not Elijah, or John the Baptist, or Jeremiah. Jesus doubles down and says, but who do you say I am? And without skipping a beat, Simon Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now we as modern readers might be saying, yay, Simon Peter, you did it. You got the Sunday school answer right. But what we miss is that Jesus had not yet revealed his identity to others. This wasn't a simple moment of recall or good memory. Jesus' identity was revealed to Simon Peter through his experience and through God's revelation. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's a statement. It's emphatic. Jesus responds to Simon Peter with a blessing. Now, there's some wordplay here that we get, gets lost in translation into English between the word rock and the nickname Peter. So it's a little bit confusing when Jesus says, on this rock, like we missed the previous geology lesson uh, that took place. However, the rock that Jesus is referring to is not Peter and not his face. See, in fact, a few chapters back, we hear the infamous line, get behind me, Satan, directed at Simon Peter. He's known for speaking well before he thinks. And we learn that even Matthew, later in Matthew, he will deny Jesus three times. Peter seems like the very unlikely character to build a church. But again, it's not Peter's merits or his own deductive reasoning. Peter testifies to Jesus in this moment. It is Peter's testimony that is the very foundation of the gathered community. Jesus is saying, on that testimony, I will build my church. On the testimony, I will call this weird, ragged, boisterous, messy, beautiful group of divine image bearers together under the shared purpose of storytelling to be living, breathing reminders of God's love and presence on earth. It's on the testimony of the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints that Christ has built his church. When we say the Holy Catholic Church, we're really talking about the universal church. The church united throughout the world, many local communities that connect under one global church. 
And similarly, when we talk about the communion of saints, we're talking about those in the faith who've gone before us, those in the faith present with us today, and those who will follow in our footsteps. While it's been translated as the community of saints, it could also be translated as the communion of the holy, or those who are set apart for a sacred purpose. This isn't about a particular group that just happened to be really good at life or did something major and heroic. Each of us are, in fact, saints, a part of the communion of saints. And as we read in Hebrews, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. When we gather in worship, we praise God with believers we cannot see. When we celebrate Holy Communion, as we will today, we feast with past, present, and future communion of saints. And if you go back a chapter, that's your homework after this, go back a chapter in Hebrews, you'll see a whole list of witnesses, like a genealogy of our ancestors of the faith. And it feels like a little bit of a cheesy infomercial for me to say, but wait, there's more. But there's more. After Peter testifies, Jesus makes a powerful promise. Jesus promises that any efforts to isolate, segregate, or fraction the church, all the efforts to bring evil, injustice, and oppression, they don't get the last word. That there is no power in this world, not even humanity's greatest enemy, death itself, will be able to overcome who the church is or what the church does. Now, this doesn't negate the harm that the church has caused to some. We have to own the ways in which our called community has caused harm. While also being encouraged that by God's grace alone, we can continue the story. Jesus has given us the power to open the doors of life. Did you know that we had the power to open the doors to life? Not me, not Pastor Adam, not Pastor Corey, but us, together, the local community, a part of the communion of saints, a collective living witness to Christ, and the power and the resurrection have been given the keys to the kingdom. These keys unlock closet doors, hardened hearts, traumatized bodies, unmute silent voices, undo shame, unravel the compulsions to try and earn our love and worth. Because to believe in the communion of saints is to believe in our intrinsic need for one another. Our liberation, our salvation, our well-being is bound up in one another. The church community is different from society's individualism that wants us to focus on ourselves, asking what's in my best interest at any given moment, or what will help me succeed or get ahead. Instead, it is a deep understanding that we can't be our best selves if others are without, or if we are without each other. To say we believe in the church universal is to also say that God doesn't just look and sound like us. That in our connection, we get a bigger, fuller picture of who God is. And even still, God is beyond our imagination. To say we believe in the universal church and the communion of saints is to say that we believe in showing up 
for one another. The incarnation is the oldest Christian story, and we testify to the belief by being the hands and feet of Jesus, to break as Christ's body is broken for us. I know that I was raised to sort of implicitly feel or believe that a testimony needs to be this grand gesture or grand story about something really bad in my life that God has forgiven me for or healed me from. And that certainly is a testimony of who God is and what God does. However, our testimony as the body of Christ, across differences united under one God, can be shared through a handshake, shared through a meal made or a prayer over the phone, in an affirmation that a particular life season or life event just stinks. It's shared when we go out of our way to remind someone they are loved and needed in this world. This testimony is shared when we live our life as if our life is not our own. We testify through our lives as an embodied Christ's presence in the world. Who do we say God is? What does our testimony as the community of Orange say about who God is? How does who you are, your life, your actions contribute to our witness as a community? The Spirit brought the church together, moving us from being solitary, isolated individuals to becoming people in relationship with one another. The church is not an institution or a country club. It is an article of faith. The church is an active, living group of people who not only announce the kingdom that is to come, but also actively prepare the way. God calls us to be a community of regular, messy, imperfect people who testify to the presence of God living among us. May it be so. Let us pray. Eternal God, the heaven of heavens cannot contain you, much less the walls of this building. We are so grateful for the fellowship of Orange and all your saints, for the Church Universal, for calling us your beloved children, for the faith of those who have gone before us and for our encouragement by their perseverance. Jesus, empower your people to testify the good news that you have been raised from the dead, that you have brought to earth the very life of heaven. Holy Spirit, empower us in every moment to live as witnesses to a living God among us. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.